Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino. This is our second part episode on admissions from across the country. We have more vet schools represented today to talk to you about their admissions process. So I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves, starting with Tufts. Hello and welcome. Thanks for having me today. My name is Ford Barnett. I am representing the Cumming School of Veterinary Medicine at Tufts University, where I am the Associate Director of Admissions. And I've been there for, I think, nine years now. Favorite thing about the school for me, by being a campus of really only 450 students, it means you know everyone and everyone knows you. Climate-wise, today is about 80 and very humid. Um, Massachusetts has hot, hot days and cold, cold days, depending on the time of year. So people expect that aspect. The one that you don't really hear too much about, about being in New England, and so I myself am from Vero Beach, Florida. So I expected cold and I was kind of ready for that. I didn't expect um, in the winter when it's 4 p.m. and suddenly it's pitch dark out. So that was the the biggest uh, climate adjustment for me and driving in snow. Good afternoon, my name is Nikia White. I'm the admissions coordinator for the DBM program at NC State and I've been there for almost five years. It'll be five years on October 1st, so that's exciting. Climate-wise in North Carolina, it can range because it can be 70 degrees in December. It can be hot on Christmas Day. You just never know what you're going to get with the North Carolina weather. Right now, I think we're in about the 60s, so it's not too bad. It's pretty mild, Um, but but decent weather. You have mountains and you have the beaches, so it's a really great location. And we're in the capital of Raleigh, so we're right in the middle of it all. Um, What I love about the vet school is we have um, a great sense of community. Um, a big focus on diversity and inclusion and also wellness. So we have um, an on-site counselor, we have wellness programs, we have diversity and inclusion programs, and it really does feel like home. Um, Our goal is to make every student feel welcome from the time they step on campus. Um, And that's something that we really strive to do. So that's something that I really enjoy, what I really love about NC State. Hello, everyone. Uh, Nice to join you all today. I am Dr. Brittany Moore Henderson. I am the Director of Admissions and Clinical Instructor at Mississippi State. Uh, Just a little bit about me. I am a graduate of Mississippi State. I graduated in 2016, um, and I have just completed a residency through the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners. Um, So I have been a Director of Admissions uh, for two years now. So I've been doing having some double duties with director of admissions as well as being down in the clinics. Um, So a little bit about Mississippi State as far as climate. Of course, Mississippi is very hot. It can change. I say that we do not get all four seasons. Um, In the winter, it's really not the winter. It can vary. Like, it's been a very long time since it has snowed here in Mississippi. So 
as far as Mississippi State, as far as the other, uh, talking about climate, I say we have a very welcoming uh, atmosphere. It's very family oriented. I always tell people that Mississippi State is the well-kept secret because a lot of people do not know about us. Um, and it takes them to get to come to um, Mississippi State to actually get a whole feel of our hospitality because we are the hospitality state and you truly feel it once you come through the doors. Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Alberto Nunez. I am with Western University of Health Sciences. Um, I am the university recruiter there for Western U um, and also serve as the advisor for all pre-vet students looking to to come to Western U um, and just in general to, um, to to get you started for your journey to get into a DVM program, right? Um, so that's that's my main role there. Now, climate-wise, we're located in Southern California. I, I think that really says says it all, right? It's it's pretty true what they say in, in the movies, um, and that that you see sunny Southern California. You know, it's it's hard to beat. It's 82 degrees out, and it's fall right now. So um, it's it's absolutely perfect weather, pretty much all through the year, except when we're on fire, that tends to happen quite a bit. Um, but for the most part, it's, um, it's a really, really great place. Um, the thing that I love about our campus is Western U itself is fully a graduate institution. So um, all in the health profession. So you have uh, future doctors, dentists, um, vets, all everything regarding the health professions on campus and you're all collaborating and you're all working with these different types of doctors. Um, so I really think that that is, is really great. And then in terms of our location, we're pretty centrally located. Number one, we're the only vet school in Southern California, only one of two in the state of California. Um, and then two, we're pretty centrally located next to everything. So we're close to the mountains, we're close to the beach. Uh, we're about 30 minutes away from Disneyland, which is pretty awesome. So um, so there's a lot of things that you can do around here. And like I said, it's Southern California. So weather's always always pretty great and, and nice to be around. Hey everyone, my name is Jennifer Maley. I'm Director of Admissions at Cornell's Vet School. We are um, a small class of 120 in the center part of New York State. Um, Climate-wise, there's two kinds of climates. So climate, um, as far as weather, if that's something you're all interested in. For full seasons, we have beautiful, wonderful, white, lovely winters, summer, winter, spring, fall, full out seasons and gorgeous. Very sustainable community, um, kind of grassroots. We're one of the um, trade best college, small college town with um, Ann Arbor, any given year, Michigan. So a uh, really great place to live and work and study. Um, about four hours from New York City and we have campuses in New York City. So we do run, um, there are campus to campus buses that go to New York City often. So a nice opportunity to get to a bigger town, um, but nice to study in a small safe town. As far as climate, we are an inclusive um, community. We have a wellness program, lots of initiatives to make sure everyone is comfortable, um, everyone feels included. Because of the size of our class and we're rooted in problem-based learning, um, it's a very non-competitive uh, community. So often Ivy League is thought of as E or B eaten, um, which might be with some of the colleges at Cornell, but not at the vet school. So because of that kind of inclusivity, that kind of small climate, um, 
you get to know each other and everyone is valued in the classroom and outside. Wow, wonderful. I love that everybody touched a little bit on not only the location, but also what the vibe is like at their school. And it sounds like all of the schools have wonderful environments. So let's find out what are some different programs or claims to fame that each school has. So representatives, I'd love to hear one to three things that your program has that you think this is why students come here. So we'll go ahead and let uh, Dr. Brittany, if you feel comfortable starting us off with a few things you think our students should know about what Mississippi State has to offer. Sure, so I guess I already somewhat mentioned about our um, how our curriculum is set up. Um, of course, like I said, two years within the classroom and the last two years are within the clinics, um, but during our students' sophomore year, they began sophomore surgery. So we have uh, shelters uh, around uh, our area in which bring their animals to uh, be spayed and neutered um, because that increases their chances of being um, adopted. Uh, so our students get the opportunity to perform those spays and neuters and take the, um, pretty much have uh, groups of three in which they go from being the anesthetist to being the assistant surgeon to being a surgeon. Uh, and by the end of their second year, they would have completed about four surgeries. We also have a shelter medicine program, which is big, pretty huge. Um, our students get the opportunity um, to go around on our uh, spay and neuter bus. Uh, where they um, do a two-week electives, and majority of our students, about the time they have graduated, have completed up to 50 uh, spades and neuters on average. Um, so a lot of hands-on ability. But another thing about our uh, university is just all the different outreach programs that we have. Um, we know that our students, we want them to, of course, have all the medical knowledge, but we also want them to be able to interact with the community. So we have various programs such as Vetispire, uh, Veterinary Camp. Now we have Vet Chat. They are all programs for our students. Um, so other things in which we have, like I mentioned, was just that hospitality. We have an open door policy. We interact with our students quite a bit. They can come anytime to us when they have questions. Um, we provide them with advisors, with mentors. We have a tutoring program, a peer tutoring program where our students can tutor um, their peers um, if they're having issues. Um, so we pretty much try our best to make sure that our students um, have that anything they need to be successful within our program as well as once they uh, graduate with our program. It doesn't end and once they graduate, it continues on throughout the time because we want them to still be with us as alumni and come back and help us as much as possible. All right, so for my three, I am going to choose our wildlife and conservation opportunities. I think that that has been a longstanding um, draw to Tufts. So wildlife and conservation being part of a, a One Health mentality that gets incorporated throughout the general curriculum um, through courses, but also uh, in having on our campus a wildlife clinic that sees over 4,000 cases a year. Um, number two for me, I'm going to kind of piggyback off that idea, which potentially includes wildlife and conservation, but a lot more, which is a strong international research um, track. So we probably, on a non-COVID year, would probably have about 30 or so students that are working internationally during their summer. 
some of which are doing so for um, research projects attached to additional credentials where they might be earning their master's in public health along with their DVM or earning a international veterinary um, medicine certificate that our program offers. And for my third one, I'm just going to choose some of the small animal opportunities and numbers. New England is fairly small animal centric. Um, so Tufts will find itself usually with the busiest small animal emergency room out of all the veterinary schools, um, often number one with small animal caseload in general. So if you're interested in small animal, you'll get a lot of opportunity within our program. And then that trickles into other opportunities um, like community medicine, for example, where we have a spay neuter clinic on campus that students can get involved in or a community outreach opportunity where um, we have a partnership with a local high school. Um, the high school has a clinic that serves low-income families in the Worcester area. So Worcester is the second largest city in New England. And so it's a way to see a different demographic to give back to also help high school students that are training to become um, veterinary technicians. And so are working as your vet assistants while you're there. So it's been a really good partnership for our students. Yeah, so I was trying to think of the three things that I think helps us stand out. No matter where you go, you're going to get a great education. Um, and so I think that's something that's, uh, that's always important to keep in mind. If you're going to graduate, you're going to be a DVM, and you're going to be able to, to get a job. Um, but what do we do at NC State to help support you outside of that? Um, so one of the things is financially. So we are one of the least expensive of all the vet schools. And we do allow non-residents to apply for residency after the first year. We do, a, and we have an on-campus attorney who works with admitted students um, from the time they're admitted through that throughout that first year to make sure they're doing everything they need to do to get residency. And this past year, we had 25 out of 25 that applied for residency and got residency. So it's a lot that you have to do and things you have to stay on top of, but it is a possibility and that saves you even more money because you do get to pay that in-state tuition rate after year one. Um, secondly is support. So I mentioned that before um, about the focus on wellness and that's something that's really important to us. Um, in 2016, we established a house system. So if you guys are Harry Potter fans, I am not, not a big Harry Potter person, um, but we were the first school to establish a house system. And so our students are sorted into houses on campus, not actual houses that they live in, but their own little communities. And throughout the year, they have different events, different wellness events. They'll have a plant night. They'll have, um, this was all pre-COVID now. Now COVID things are a little bit different. Um, they'll have plant nights and painting nights and game nights, just different things to help them to, to build that sense of community um, outside of the classroom. Um, in, ad in addition to that level of support, we also have our on-site counselor. We have our own director of career services that works just, just with DVM students and alumni. And then we have a director of personal finance. So a lot of, a lot of on-campus support for students. Um, and then the program itself is set up as three years preclinical, one year clinical. Um, we have 10 different focus areas that students can choose from. Of course, the focus area is what your clinical year is based on. You don't have to declare your focus area until the end of your second year. So that gives you two full years to really explore and determine what you want to do. Um, we were built on a dairy farm. So right out back is our farm. And then we have our Terry Center, which is our hospital. Um, all under the same roof. So it really allows students to um, determine what they want to do um, before, before going into their clinical rotations and determining what their clinical blocks are. 
So um, I think what we're probably best known for at this point is the problem-based learning, um, small group learning using animal cases to learn the information. You kind of sort of act like a veterinarian from the very first day of classes. So hands-on animals for throughout the four years, but in those classes, not all of our classes are case-based, but many are in the foundations. Really a great opportunity to learn to think through a case, but also have that experience where you're not in the lecture hall all day long, that you're moving around the college, going to gross labs, sitting in small groups, parring it out with your classmates. So in the, in the world of having lots of different learning styles, um, this really does agree with a lot of people. Um, we have a, a pretty gl uh, global presence in the world. So we have lots of opportunities if they're interested in studying, students are interested in um, doing an out of the US experience in normal world. Um, we have bar vets, a two week spay neuter in underdeveloped nations. Um, faculty member and another partner takes students on these um, opportunities. We have a unique program called Expanding Horizons with Cornell. It's a grant-funded program. Students write a grant. How much is it going to cost to get to this experience? Live there, do the experience. The caveat is you will go to an, a developing nation and work with animals hands-on or in research. And um, if you put Expanding Horizons in the search bar at the vet school website, um, you'll get a map of where people have gone. And there's some really, really great experiences students have done and other students have decided they want to do or uh, students come up with their whole unique experience. Um, and research, I think a lot of students might have an interest in research. They might want to dabble in it or they might want to go all in. So we have a combined DVM PhD program, fairly competitive, but a really great way to get both degrees within seven years with funding. And um, for those that just want to try a little research, we have some stipend-based summer research programs, opportunities to get into the um, labs if you want to uh, work with a faculty member. We're the medical school on campus. Our human medicine college is in Manhattan. So there's a fair amount of human research happening as well as um, research for animals. Um, so a great opportunity to test the waters or go all out if you want some research opportunities. And of course, then our alumni base is worldwide. So we have great opportunities and a great network of alumni to help students as they navigate, not only going through vet school externships in their summers, but also as they get jobs. I think uh, a lot of our claims to fame, well, number one, like I mentioned before, um, we're the only DVM program in Southern California and one of two in California. So we're very rare out in the West Coast. Um, so number one, just starting off there. Um, but we also are on a PBL curriculum, um, which which means that you're in, in your first two years, your lecture time is very limited. You're in groups of about seven to eight students with one faculty member. You're getting a new case every week. And within your first two years, you will be going through 64 cases on top of that, you are also starting your clinical training from year one. Um, so, well, your clinical rotations don't start until year three and year four, your clinical training also starts in year one and clinical training is surrounded um, by what we like to call a reverence for life, right? So um, no animals are harmed for the purposes of, of teaching um, and, and you're learning how to how to treat animals and, and move forward with this type of reverence 
for life um, using non-invasive procedures, using um, non-harmful procedures, things like that, right? It's a very big philosophy um, within Western U. And then I think the last thing that I wanna to touch on is our interprofessional education. So like I mentioned before, Western U is solely a health sciences graduate institution. So everyone on campus is gonna be a healthcare provider um, in some way, shape or form, whether it be a PA, um, a doctor of osteopathic medicine, a dentist. What we like to do is we like to bring all these students together to work together because healthcare in and of itself is a group effort. Wow, again, wonderful opportunities. I love this idea that students get put into small groups. They have their faculty member, case, 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 really learning how to become more curious and figure out what each patient needs. We have about 10 minutes left and I'd love to hear from each representative, our favorite part, um, red flags and advice. So what are some red flags that you see either in the application or in the interview if your school has an interview? And then what advice do you have to counteract that red flag? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think one of the biggest um, red flags that we see is, um, is students don't do their research, right? So a lot of the questions in the interview or um, in a secondary application are based on the university, right? And um, one thing I always like to tell my students that, that I'm advising is if you can take an essay and just replace the name of the school and it still makes 100% 100, 100% complete sense, you left it way too general and you need to get a little bit more specific about this, uh, about this school, right? Schools want to know that you're applying with a purpose. Schools wants to know that you're applying with the intention of fulfilling your dream of becoming a, a DVM at their institution. Um, and then I think another thing that I like to see is usually comes with the, with the interview, right? Um, and, and students sometimes take it, um, I see students becoming a little too formal um, coming from it, right? So the interview stage is where you kind of get to let your personality out. It's a place to tell us what your GPA, um, your vet experience hours, your animal experience hours can't tell us. Right. So let your personally come personality come out a little bit. Right. Let your make sure that you're you're still being professional about it. And number one, if you're on campus, make sure you're professional the entire day. You don't know who's watching. You don't know who you're talking to. Um, so be respectful. Always be um, and professional the entire day. So at the same time, you're interviewing us. Find out about us. Are, are we the perfect fit for you? If we're not, that's perfectly fine. We're not going to be the perfect fit for everyone. So one of the biggest things that we, so we do have a GPA requirement. We have a minimum of a 3.4 for non-residents, 3.0 for residents. Um, it's on our website um, and we get questions every year because that's one of the biggest things that we disqualify applicants for is not meeting the GPA requirement. And we'll get um, emails, follow-up emails once an applicant has been disqualified that says, you know, will you make an exception? Um, these are the reasons why my GPA is low, and that's fine, and we're understanding of that, but we have a GPA requirement. So the biggest thing, if you don't meet the GPA requirement, don't apply to NC State, because ultimately you're spending the VIMCAS application money, you're spending the supplemental application money, only to get disqualified. So making sure that you are aware of the GPA requirements, 
and then don't argue with us because that's what they want to do too. They want to argue with us about why we, why we should consider their application. So that's something that's really important. Um, as far as what makes your application stand out, we like to see well-rounded students. So most of the time, students have done well academically. They'll have mostly A's and B's. You'll see a sprinkle of C's in there sometimes. But we want to see that you've done extracurricular activities, that you were involved outside of just the classroom, that you have worked, um, that you maybe have volunteered, um, just so we can see that you can balance your education with an outside life. We don't want veterinary medicine to just be your sole focus for four years. We wanna see that you do have other outlets and other things that you're interested in and that you can do all of those things while maintaining success academically. Um, personal statement is really important. Don't just focus on what you think we wanna hear, but really let your, like, like uh, was mentioned before, let your personality shine, see who you are and get a feel for who you are as a person. We don't do interviews. So we don't meet you prior to admitting you. Our, our decision is solely based on your application. So you really wanna let your personality shine, who you are as a person. We wanna see that. Um, we wanna see that you put some thought and some effort into your, uh, your personal statement and the essays on our supplemental application and that you're not just trying to say the right things because you think that's what we wanna hear. We've said quite a bit of them, but I wanna add some things to it. Hopefully it's not too long. Um, for us, red flags, of course, that occur is um, the main thing, saying that you're going into veterinary medicine because you don't like people. That is a major red flag for us. It's like, don't you know that the animal is attached to a human and that human has to bring that animal in? That you cannot say that. I mean, I know that um, veterinarians, they are, majority of the time, are um, what you call them, uh, introverts. Uh, so, and that's, I mean, I'm an introvert. I can be an extrovert when I want to, but majority of the time I'm an introvert. Um, but I still like people. I did not choose, you know, human medicine because I did not want to work, you know, just work with humans, just didn't want to work with all their other things that they have. I can deal with animal poop, <laughs> but I probably can't do, deal with human poop, you know, something like that. But anyway, but you can't say those things. Um, so try your best to um, make sure that you remember why you want to become a veterinarian and be able to articulate that um, like you would like. Also, another thing for us is students use the explanation statement. Um, a lot of times we understand that you can't gain the experiences in which you want. For instance, if you're interested in marine mammal science, you may not be able to find that experience. And, but throughout all your essays, you have mentioned that that's what you want to do. So we're expecting you to have that experience. If you don't, you don't have it, you need to let us know why you don't have that experience. That's very important because that raises a flag for us because we're like, hold up, you want to do that, but you haven't gained any experience in it. So anything that you say that you want to do, try your best to gain that experience. If you cannot, give an explanation to why you cannot have get, get that experience and what have you done to research to learn more about that particular area. And the last thing for me is making sure that you dot every I cross every T on your application. As many times we have a lot of grammatical area, er, uh, errors, punctuation errors, and it's very common, veterinary versus veterinarian, things like that. That is something that could be easily uh, picked up if you had someone to review your application. I always tell applicants to have someone to review for those type of areas for grammar and punctuation, but also have someone to uh, review it for content. 
Um, so maybe you want to get another veterinarian that can review it for content, whereas you get your, your professional or someone that's good at spelling and grammar to look at it from that particular area. So try your best to not wait to the last minute to get these things done, but start it off in advance, doing those essays and different things like that so that you'll be able to have people to check over those things for you. So that is not one of the things in which can harm your application. You want to put your best foot forward and you're selling yourself in that application. You can't get to an interview if you have not sold yourself within that application. I can't imagine that the three pages of all these pictures are all applicants. So I have an, a pre-vet um, red flag and then I have an applicant red flag. So with pre-vets, I think I, I do a lot of appointments. So anyone that wants to meet with me, I'm happy to meet with you. Zoom wise is great. But I also find that students say, what should I do for my application? Should I do this this summer? And I wanna make sure you know it's your life. Do what you wanna do. It's really important. The application is to tell us about you and your life. So if you have an experience you wanna do, do it and then tell us about it. So don't feel so wedded to the application that you don't live this well-rounded, healthy life that makes you happy. So that's my pre-vet. For those applying, we're actually a holistic admissions process, so we don't have a cutoff. We are, you know, we'll read your application. We're delighted. You might be a diamond in the rough and that some a couple of semesters tanked you and we want to see if we can bring you forward. So um, our formula is actually we're transparent. It's on our website. 55% of our application um, is holistic. We will read your essays. We will read your letters of reference. You have to have a minimum of three letters. We will take up to six. So if you have some folks that will say really, don't get six just to get six, but get some really good letters um, that say some really great things, at least one vet and one um, faculty member. And um, they're absolutely right, write a good essay. So I do applicant roundtables in the spring for those that are applying. And I have a couple of vet students with me. And we just talk about how do you write an essay? What kinds of things should you talk about? How do you write a good application? Um, but your application is you on paper and you should be so proud of all the things that you've done. Um, so it's a great chance for you to all come, you know, sort of start thinking now and keeping track of that. So when you apply and just a, sort of a commercial, <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, I um, designed with our IT folks at the vet school uh, an app. It's called the Cornell Pre-Vet Tracker. It's a way to keep track of all your animal and your veterinary experiences. And I designed it based on the VimCast application. So it's free in the Apple Store and in Google Play called the Cornell Pre-Vet Tracker, whether you apply to Cornell or not, and I hope you do, um, but it's yours and it's based on the VimCast. So I think that'll help you. And it calculates your hours, which is really fun because anytime you can watch numbers go up, it's fun. So end of commercial and my advice. <laughs> So ultimately, I think what you're hearing from everyone is there are primary questions that people are going to ask when looking over your application. One of the early questions is, academically, can you handle vet school? Do we feel that you've given us confidence that you're going to make it through? Because no matter how great your experience is or your extracurriculars and all this stuff, if you're not going to become that veterinarian, you're going to be worse off a year into a veterinary program and academically struggling. Um, as well the school. So number one, can you do it? And then once we say yes to that, number two is should you do it? You know, do you have enough veterinary experience and exposure to have a sense of what are some of the challenges? Um, what can you expect? You don't necessarily have to know here's exactly what I want to do within the profession, but you need to have had 
the conversations and exposure with those that are veterinarians and those that aren't veterinarians to understand, but here's why I need this credential to make that impact. Because you can work with animals and not be a vet. And if you could be equally happy, then work with animals and don't be a vet. But if you get enough exposure to say, this is why I need the DVM to make this kind of impact, then that's what we're looking for. So one of the biggest challenges or, or red flags is just overall being naive. Um, and I think the biggest way to help yourself in that sense is your essays, which people are talking about now. And, and again, let me provide an explanation. You're either gonna have a scenario like Tufts where we do have an interview and your interviewers will have read your application, or you're gonna have a scenario like NC State or Cornell where they don't interview. And so your essay should not be a reiteration of your experience page. If you put yourself in, in our, the panelist position, at that point, we know where you were, how long you were there, what your responsibilities were, because you've written them, potentially in a great app. Um, but use your essays then to say, and because of these experiences, here's the problem I see, here's a trend I've noticed, here's the contribution I wanna make. This was a really influential conversation for me because, going back to the um, GPA thing, so Tufts doesn't have any sort of minimum, but, you know, it's not fun to talk about GPA all that much because it's daunting and, you know, at some point there's not a ton you can do about it. Um, so our average GPA coming in is around a 3.7. You do not need to be a 3.7. And again, we don't have any cutoff. But for those of you that aren't the 3.7, what you need to do is make me feel as confident in you as I do that traditional 3.7, 3.8, 3.9. And the way you do that is trending your grades or retaking classes. Um, and it's not the same for everyone, but ultimately you need me to understand, here's what was going on then, and to now have evidence of without that going on, now here's why I can do well in your program. Wow, wow, wow. You guys are very lucky to hear all of this wonderful, wonderful advice. So thank you panelists so much. Go Western U. Go Pack. Go Big Red Bear. Go Bulldogs. Go Jumbos. And I'm Alex Avellino. Go Gators. And we'll talk to you soon.